I'd love for you, please, to turn with me to Acts chapter 28. And we want to start reading from um, verse 11, but just selected scripture. So we're going to read verse 11, then jump to verses 16 to 20, and then jump to verses 24 to 31. This is what verse 11 says. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had withered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pulex. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days, three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected. So I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk to you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I'm bound with this chain. Verse 24 says, Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed amongst themselves and began to leave Paul after Paul had made his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he went through the Isaiah the prophet and said, Go to this people and say, You will, ever, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will ever be seen but never perceiving. For the people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. Two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The key verse that I would like us to look at is verse 20. Verse 20 says, for this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I'm bound with this chain. He says that he remained in chains, not because of anything that he had done, but for his proclaiming the hope of Israel. An unmistakable reference to the Hebrew Messiah who, who promised to fulfill all prophecies concerning Israel. And this is what the Cambridge Bible says. 
Because that, for the hope of Israel, Paul says, I'm bound with this chain. The hope of Israel is the general expectation of Messiah. In Jesus, Paul believed that the expected Savior had already appeared. And for preaching this, he had been attacked and made a prisoner. He held the same faith as the Jews, only going in this matter further than they who in that, that they believed the promise that was fulfilled. We can now fully uh, see that the Jews, as he was proclaiming this truth to them, didn't quite understand what he was saying once again. And this passage of scripture is repeated by Jesus when he looked at the Jews and he says, you are always hearing, but you're not understanding. You're seeing, but you're not perceiving. And uh, so Paul says, my mission was to preach the gospel first to the Jews so that they could see that the hope of Israel had already come and that the hope of Israel died, he was buried, and he was resurrected. And he says, because I proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, over all sins, over all principalities, over death, he says, because I preached this, I was put in chains. And he says to them earlier, he says, I appealed before Caesar, but he wouldn't hear me, so now I'm going to Rome. And we understand that as we come to Acts chapter 28, he got there. And as he got there, there were so many Christians who met him and celebrated his coming. If you remember, in the book of Romans, you'll find out that Paul had written the book of Romans to them, the letter, sent it to them. But he had never met them in Rome. First time he had gone there, it was the very mission that God has sent him. God says, you would testify in Rome before me. So that's why we can understand that Paul had that word of God within his heart. That irrespective of the circumstances, impending death, being on the ship and being on the ship, there was that possibility that they could be shipwrecked and that they could lose their lives. But Paul wasn't concerned about that. He knew that God had said, you will get to Rome and God would protect him. And even though Jesus is the hope of the whole world, that hope, because Paul believed in Jesus, came into Paul's heart. And since Jesus is the hope of the world, my friends, Paul knew because he was proclaiming Jesus that that very, very hope would carry him through so many of the trials and the difficulties that he had faced. So Paul started in the first chapter of the book of um, Acts and he spoke about Jesus. He, he, he started with Jesus. He, he spoke to them about the ascension. I said Luke, sorry, Luke spoke about Jesus here to them. So he starts the book of Acts and he speaks about Jesus. But Luke also ends the book of Acts telling them that Paul spoke about Jesus. And so my friends, when we look at the book of Acts, it starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. And my friends, therein 
Paul received the hope that he had to push through absolutely everything. It is quite amazing, from the beginning of the book of Acts to the very end, a time span of 30 years, the gospel had gone out from one country to the other. And Paul and the people he worked with and other people who received Jesus went out and the gospel was proclaimed within that 30 year span. We looked at the book of Acts and we found that in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit was highlighted and people got to know the Holy Spirit as God. And that the Holy Spirit became their empowerment. And when they became hopeless because of circumstances, the Holy Spirit showed them Jesus and they got their courage and they pushed through. And we talked about Paul meeting Jesus and how God so miraculously changed his life from someone who persecuted Christians to someone who started proclaiming the good news about Jesus with Christians. This is the miraculous thing that God does. In the book of Acts, we looked at the ways of God as the different people preached on the books. And we found out that the way of God to salvation is through Jesus. There is no other way. And so Acts highlight the truth. We found out that there is no other way to follow Jesus, but that after we get saved, every single person got baptized in water. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. And they became a part of the teams that proclaimed that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father. We saw in the book of Acts that people lost their very lives. They became martyrs because they believed that. Their death only but strengthened the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to where you will ask it today, and we are the recipients of their martyrdom, their death, their proclamation. And so we dare never take the book of Acts lightly because you and I sit here because of their witness and because of their testimony. Would you say amen to that? The book of Acts teaches us that God is very much involved in our lives as you read all of the different characters that we looked at. The book of Acts teaches us that God is very present in the world that we live in. We may not see it with our own eyes, but when we see it through the wonderful gospel, we start to see the activity of God amongst us. Like I said yesterday, we were in a memorial service and we were grieving with the family and yet we were rejoicing that Heather knew Jesus and that Heather was with Jesus. And the kingdom of God came amongst us. And someone, or maybe more people, I know of some, who responded 
to the gospel. One person responded, my friends, the kingdom of God was amongst us. Jesus was present. This person got saved. This is part of what happened in the book of Acts. My friends, the church is God's plan A for us to take the good news to the people that we live with, to the people that we play with, to the people that we work with, to the people that we study with. And we see this in the book of Acts, that the church started to rise. There are times she was persecuted, she was scattered, the gospel went all over, but God sustained the church. This church here has been planted by God. Two and a half, three weeks ago, this church celebrated its 18th birthday. In two years, we're going to have a massive big celebration for 20 years. Massive big celebration. And we're going to bring praise and glory to God because as the gospel went out through the book of Acts, God in his wisdom put it upon the hearts of men and women to start churches. And you and I are the recipients of what started here. Aren't you thankful for Corey, for Ken, and for their families? And there were a few others who started Lift here. Aren't you thankful? I'm so thankful for that. But that's a continuation of the Acts, of the book of Acts. The gospel moving forward and on. But when we look at this passage of scripture, we will understand that one of the major themes of Acts is how the gospel moved from the Jews to the Gentiles and from Jerusalem to Rome. From the religious capital of the world to the secular capital of the world, as I said, within a period of 30 years. God chose Paul and others, but this phrase I want you to understand. While being in chains, their challenging circumstances, their personal insecurities, and often on answered prayers to accomplish this mission for the gospel to go so wide. The question that I asked as I looked at this passage was this, how did Paul overcome the chains that he was bound with to fulfill the mission that God gave him? How was Paul able to get from Jerusalem to Rome and deliver the message that God gave him? I just want you to look at some of the challenges that Paul faced. Firstly, during these 30 years, and particularly the latter part of the 30 years when Paul got saved, he relied on hearing God very carefully. He had a passion to hear God, but that was also his challenge. 
I think one of my great challenges as a Christian is to hear God accurately. Because I know when I hear God, irrespective of what the challenge is, I can get through it. But I want to hear God. This was one of the unexpected change. You would say, well, it's a great blessing, but oftentimes it's a huge challenge for you and I because we want to hear God correctly. You'll find out that um, Paul, when um, the Holy Spirit spoke to the church in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, and said, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Lord said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. It was a clear word from God for Barnabas and Saul, who became Paul, to go somewhere else. Now, it's quite a challenge, isn't it, when the church comes and they said, the Holy Spirit spoke to us, and we think you need to go there and there. My automatic reply would be, well, I've got to get confirmation from God first. Amen? It was a privilege, but it was also one of the challenges to hear God. In another instance, Paul was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go to Asia. And we see in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 8, where the scripture says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia, Galatia, having kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went to Troas. On the one hand, the Spirit of God says, go. On the other hand, the Spirit of God says, no. <laughs> For me, I find that as a massive challenge within my life. And my friends, sometimes we talk about the, the horrible challenges that come our way, but, but hearing the voice of God is oftentimes a challenge for me, and I think it was a challenge for Paul. How did he overcome that? I want to know because that was key to the gospel reaching Rome and even beyond that. How did he navigate through these challenges? We see further Paul was informed what would happen to him if he went to Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 20, verses 22 to 23, where the scripture says, and now I'm going to Jerusalem, drawn there irresistibly by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit had told me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Well, isn't that fun? Go to Jerusalem, Paul. But we just want to warn you, as you go from city to city, that jail and suffering is going to wait for you. Some people would say to us, that's not the Holy Spirit who spoke to you. Surely God wouldn't say to you to go to a place where you're going to suffer, be in jail. It's a whole lot better to go to Disneyland. Why go there? My friends, one of the challenges that Paul faced was this thing about 
hearing the Holy Spirit. It is not as easy as we sometimes make it. I remember reading a book by a guy called Bob Mumford many, many years ago and how he outlined just the different things that we need to look at when we want to hear the Word of God. The first thing you go to is um, you go to the Bible and you find out what God says about the Bible. The second thing you do is you find out what other people are saying about that decision that you want to make. Preferably people who um, are senior in the faith. And then thirdly, you know, you look at circumstances. What are circumstances telling you? If circumstances are favorably, you go. And then fourthly, find out what the peace of God is. Well, what I realize in my life that sometimes that just doesn't work. For Paul, the circumstances said, if you go to Jerusalem, jail and suffering will wait for you. So circumstances rule that one out. My friends, it's not so easy to hear God's word. Sometimes to hear God is almost like a chain behind us because it is really hard work. And yet God turns it around from a challenge to being a wonderful blessing within our lives. I don't want to do this, what I'm doing, without the Holy Spirit's help and for him to talk to me. Oftentimes, I honestly just cry out to the Lord and I said, Lord, I don't know how to lead this church. And Ken and I do it often. How do Ken and I, together with the leaders, how do we lead this church? This is such a different church. You know, 35 to 37 different nationalities. One day the people are here, the next day they're not here anymore. Um, how do you lead a church like that? Got to hear the Holy Spirit. It was a challenge for Paul. The second thing that was a challenge for Paul, it's almost like a chain around him, was that at times he was forsaken by his friends and colleagues. Do you experience that within your life? Where you are betrayed and sometimes even ambushed by the people that you think who are for you? Well, Paul experienced this. This is probably the hardest challenge that any one of us can face is when we are betrayed by friends. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Paul says to Timothy, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Evidently, Demas had been a faithful partner because we see that in, uh, in, in Colossians. But we see here that Debus, his friend, forsakes him and leaves him. How did Paul handle that challenge? Friends can be a wonderful blessing. I don't want to do this without friends. God, bring us more friends. We love friends. But friends can also be a massive hindrance in this walk. Paul experienced that. And this happened to Paul not once. Just in the scriptures that I've written down, it happened to him four times. And probably a whole lot more if I went further in my search. And then thirdly, I think one of the great challenges for Paul 
while he was journeying through wanting to get the gospel from Jerusalem to Rome. It was facing the future without fear or trepidation. Now to remember when we looked at when Paul got saved, he met Jesus. God gave him a unique call and God said to Paul, I will show you the things that you must suffer for my sake. How do you deal with the future when you are not in control of your destiny? Someone else is in control of your destiny. He's the God, the creator of this universe. And he says to you, what awaits you is suffering. If you remember, he said the same thing to Peter in John chapter 21. He says, Peter, when you get older, someone else is going to lead you. You're going to need to go where you do not want to go. And he prophesied that Peter would be martyred in that passage of scripture. How would you like to face the future knowing that? I think that that is a chain around our legs if we don't understand this journey well. How do you face the future knowing some of the things that you need to happen? Some of you are experiencing difficulty for you with your children. I have two sons, they're far away. Chris, now in South Africa, waiting for his working visa to go and study, well, to go and work in London. He's got the job, everything set up, waiting for it. And my heart says, oh, he did so well in Barcelona for five years, but Lord, London, being amongst the English. Lord, that's massive. <laughs> I really do love the city of London. I love going there. Love the English. But all of us have certain fears. I do. And unless I bring these fears to God, my friends, it can become a chain around us. Again, Just the key verse says this, in verse 20 of Acts chapter 28. For this reason, I've asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel, it is because of Jesus, that I'm bound with these chains. My friends, there is no better place to be than to be in chains because of Jesus. Is it possible to get a yes on that? I know some of you are not convinced of it because you know it's a bit of a trick question. But do you want to be in change because of your own stability, stupidity, your own stubbornness, your own rebellion? And that's oftentimes what happens to us. I can tell you about some of the chains that I had around my legs because of my own stupidity. Stupidity. My own sinfulness, my lack of judgment, I'd much rather carry the chains around me for the sake of Jesus. Now I want to convince you that it's possible to walk this road. Some of you are walking a road 
where you're in difficult circumstances, not because of Jesus. It is simply because you're choosing your own way. We need to get out of that way. That way is not a good way. I can tell you to have hope in all kinds of ways when you're walking that way. But my friends, unless you step out of that way and you step into the way that God had laid out for you, even the challenges in that way, you can get through. And I want to show you for the remaining few minutes how Paul's chains that he was in never bound his heart. When we're walking in our own way, the chains that we carry with us will bind our hearts. It'll constrict the very life out of us. But Paul, being bound by the chains, the circumstances and challenges that he faced, didn't bound his spirit, but it caused his spirit to be free. My friends, I believe that as I speak this morning that God is just going to free some of you in your spirit. And you'll have hope to walk with him into the future, even with the challenges around you. So how did Paul face his future without fear and tribulation? Uh, tribulation? How did Paul overcome the chains that he was bound with to fulfill the mission of God? Firstly, Paul understood his unique call in Christ. He had such a unique call. It was very different from Barnabas's call. His call was very different from Peter's call. Would you agree with me? He had a unique call when God called him. And so every single one of us have a unique call. Brendan's call to live his life for God is different from mine. Firstly, he's Amelia's husband. That's a call of God. His call is different from mine. I'm called to be a husband to Jenny. How privileged, Brendan, you and I are to be able to be husbands of women who love God. But it's unique. Your call is different than Michael. I'm called to lead this eldership team so that we could lead the church together. I don't lead the church. We lead the church together as an eldership team. I lead the eldership team. My call is very different from another pastor who leads that church because this church is so unique. The churches we've led in the past are very different from this church. My call was very different in our previous church that we led for that period of time to this. And I've had to adjust to leading this church. My friends, the moment we understand that God's call upon us is unique in Christ, the challenges that comes to us, we're able to face it better. But you've got to find that unique call. John Joseph and I oftentimes get together and not so much over the last little while because he's been working really, really hard. Not that he never used to work very, very hard. <laughs> and every now and then we would get together in my office and we would just pray. And we would cry together. He's a man who's got such a tender heart and he cries easily. And I love the unique call that God has placed upon his heart. 
He's a businessman who wants to resource the kingdom of God with finance. That's what his heart is, is so passionate with. He wants to release finance into the church and into the work of God. He's got such a burning passion with that. That is not my burning passion to release, to build up finance resources so that I can release it in the church. I don't have that gift. I'm not called to that. John Joseph is called to that. Do you understand how unique our calling is? My call isn't more important than John Joseph's call. His call is much more important than mine. No, it's not. <laughs> Just kidding. All of us have a unique call. My friends, Paul was able to get through the difficulties within his life because he understood and he accepted the unique call of God upon his life. Listen to this in Acts chapter 26, verses 15 to 18. It says, Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? This is Paul speaking. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, the Lord said. Now get up, stand up on your feet. I have, appeared, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people, that's the Jews, and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that you may receive forgiveness of sins, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And then at Acts chapter 9 verses 15 and 16, and I don't think I put that on the screen, but you could just listen to it. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Wow, what a unique call. Are all of you very glad that God chose Paul and not you? The truth is this, that Paul understood his unique call. When he had to go to Jerusalem and the other places and suffering awaited him, he didn't look at Peter and say, God, what about Peter? What about Barnabas? A very good comparison here. A little bit earlier in the book of Acts, around, I think chapter 14, 15, somewhere around there, Paul and Barnabas has a fallout. He's got to speak on it, but I didn't. But he had a fallout, the two of them, over John Mark. John Mark had forsaken Paul on one of his journeys. And so Paul and Barnabas was going to go into a certain city and Barnabas says, let's take John Mark with us. Paul says, no ways. Barnabas says, no, I want him. Paul says, I don't want him. And they have a fallout. And they go their separate ways. Why was Paul so stubborn <laughs> to go without John Mark at that stage? Because Paul knew his unique call. The one wasn't right and the other one was wrong. It is quite unique that you don't hear of Barnabas after that instance. But later on, you'll see that Paul invites John Mark with him on some journeys. Paul wouldn't let anything deter him from this unique call that God has placed upon his life. Then the second thing that Paul understood in carrying this chain with him, 
is that Paul found God's grace daily to push through every challenge that he faced. My friends, you must look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. The scripture says, Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, Listen, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, that is when I'm strong. When you understand your unique calling God, and you understand that you can find God's grace daily for the challenge that you face, you will be able to push through. Friends, there are times when you and I feel that we're drowning. There are times when we don't have hope for the future. We're not sure what's going to happen to our children. We're not sure what's going to happen to our spouse. Daily, we need to go and get that grace that we need to push through. There in hope lies our hope. Would you agree? Go to that well, my friends. Go to that well daily and draw grace from that well in your time of need. My friends, there is no other way but to go to that well daily. A few weeks ago I said that if you're experiencing a crisis within your home, maybe it's a good thing for you and your wife. Just for seven days, in the evening when you're together, just to break bread together, to have communion together. It'll take you five minutes. And you just solidify together your faith. And it's amazing the grace that you would draw from that. Can I encourage you to do that? It is a tangible way to experience God's grace. Just for seven days. Someone challenged in an hour to do it for ten days while I was sick with my health just about six months ago. You find God's grace for the time that you're in. And then lastly, and I close with this, for Paul not to be bound by his chains. Paul lived his life for the glory of God. The book of Philippians, we looked at this phrase. But this is like the closing phrase here. Within Acts 28. Um, and he speaks about the closing few verses within Acts chapter 28. I just want you to have a look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 16 to 18. Paul lived his life for the glory of God. That was his focus, and he said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. At my first defense, no one came to support me, 
that everyone who searcheth me may it not be held against them, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Listen to this. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you know what the circumstances surrounding this was? This is past the conclusion of the book of Acts. Some commentators said that Paul from Rome, after two years he was released because they couldn't hold a Roman citizen for longer than two years. They had to release him because Paul was a Roman citizen. So they released him. He went back to Spain and he preached the gospel there. Nero took over in Rome and Paul saw how the church was being persecuted in Rome. He couldn't leave the church by themselves. He went to Rome. They put him in prison. This time they beat him and he suffered terrible things. And from the prison, he writes this letter. He says, and he says somewhere, he says, the time of my departure is at hand. And he speaks about his impending death. He was persecuted at that time for Jesus. The story doesn't end well within our books. But he says here, and I love this, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. What a man. What a saviour. He lived his life for the glory of God. Amidst your circumstances that are troubling, open up your heart and say, I live my life for the glory of God.